Is this the fifth week on knowing the heart of God? Knowing the heart of our Father? I believe it's, huh? Fourth or fifth week. So that's the main topic, knowing the heart of our Father. And then the subtopic that today, last week was don't be surprised when you're tested. But this morning, the subtitle is learning the ways of God. Learning, because this is, we're talking about uh, knowing the heart of our Father. And if we're going to know the heart of our Father, then we need to get in touch with understanding some of his ways, how he works, how he operates. So turn in your Bibles, if you will, to um, Isaiah 55, verse 8. Verse 8 and 9, actually. <clears throat> Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let me read that again. It's very, very important that we see this. We really begin to uh, uh, understand. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the truth that we hold in our hand in this wonderful book, infallible, perfect. And I pray today that, Lord, you would speak to each of our hearts, that we would be ready to receive and we would learn something about you, about your heart, about um, how you work, and that we could just begin to grow in our understanding of what you're doing in our lives, that we might appreciate more uh, the things that, you, that you've allowed and permitted to come. So we trust you to speak to us today, and we give this time to you and ask it would be done in a manner that would please and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. You've probably heard in times past from other people that would say, if you're trying to figure out the will of God, if you're thinking about determining the will of God, you would think how you would do it or the direction you would go, and then you turn about face and go the opposite, and that's probably going to be the will of God. In other words, this is what I think we ought to do, and I think it's a good plan, but then just go opposite, and that's probably how God's going to direct. Now, I want to be careful. That's an analogy. That's something that, uh, that we've heard other preachers say. 
I just want to be careful that I'm not certain that you can base all of your decisions on that uh, plan, okay? I'm not sure that you just, on everything you do, I think I'm going to go to the store today. No, I think I'm not going to go to the store today. I mean, but the refrigerator is empty. It doesn't matter that it's empty. I'm going to go the other way. So you're going to have to be careful not to carry something like that too far. But I think the point is well made. And I do agree with the whole idea that God's ways are the majority of the time absolutely, totally different than the way we would do things. I mean, I, I just think that if you were drawing out your life and you, you could, you know, program it from the time you got saved and you draw out your life, there'd be so many things that come up, so many thing that God, things that God allows, so many things that God has permitted that you would not include. And so we're going to have to be careful that we understand these ideas that God's ways are certainly not our ways. I want to just I just throw a few scriptures out, and I and again I'm going to uh, utilize the the Thompson chain because it just has everything, so it's all lined up here. So I'm looking at section 4156, gain through loss. But it lists a bunch of different scriptures that helps us to see some of this idea. And I'm trying to get us to begin thinking about the way God works and the way we don't, we wouldn't plan it that way. And, and if, if you can get that mindset, then you can begin to see certain things. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Just go sell out and then give it all to the poor. Then follow me. Matthew 19, 29. And everyone that hath Forsaken. This is a, there's a whole list if you, if you look. There's some day, and it's a good outline. It's a list of qualifications for a disciple of Christ. But this is one of them, 1929. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife or children or lands for my namesake, shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Now that is not in any way teaching work salvation. It's about the, it is, it is all about the cost of discipleship. A person's heart must be willing to follow the Lord no matter what. Mark 8.35 for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. I'm trying to point out the opposite ways that we think and the way God thinks. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. 
Mark 9, 35, and he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, if any man desire to be first, I, this one is so obviously clear. If any man desire to be first, the sh same shall be last of all and servant of all. For if you want to be first, be last and servant of all. John 12, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And then, you know, this is, uh, again, the Apostle Paul, Philippians 3, 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency, I love these words, the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. All of his accolades, all of his accomplishments, uh, all of his religious living is lost, it's nothing. So it's important. Now, another, let me just, uh, Matthew 5, 39. Let me, Matthew 5, 39. I, I hope that sometimes that we would actually turn the pages if you can, if you have the Bible, because it's, I think it's really, really good to, to look these up when you can, if you can. Ye have heard, verse 38, I'm sorry, uh, five, Matthew 5, 38, 39. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. I'm going to tell you an event that happened in my life, and I'm not going to say names. I would never say names, but it was someone that was uh, in the church, and I was present in an uncomfortable situation for them. And they became very, very upset at me. And they were so angry. And this is, I'm telling you, I told this to the physical therapist this week. I said, and this is the truth. He said, well, I hope all of it's the truth. I said, well, I, I say it especially in the pulpit. That this is the truth. I'm telling you the truth. This person was so angry, they literally slapped me in the face. And I said, and Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And I turned the other cheek, and they hauled off and slapped me again on the other cheek. I mean, nearly rattled my teeth. And it was all I could do because, because I, I mean, your natural instinct is to fight back. But God was in control. 
But I actually have literally applied that <laughs> verse. So, you know, when you say, oh, this is just, you know, for, you know, whatever. No, I've actually lived it. So, but do y'all see, do y'all see the, the, what I'm trying to, even the verse, and I, I we were going to look it up over here. We, you, oh, it's down two verses. Okay, let me see here. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you, my walking secretary here. Uh, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. So and, and you know, you've heard that they would mark off a mile and they'd say, and then and Jesus said, but go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. So they're mile, and they're actually literal mile markers. So they, they could carry the soldier's pack, carry it for a mile, but Jesus said, don't drop it at a mile. Go the extra mile. You see that, are y'all beginning to get a little flavor, just a little bit from the scripture, that this is a lifestyle that Jesus is trying to get his children to follow, um, and, we, and we need to really begin to understand. Um, the other day, we, we talked about praying. Turn back, if you will, to uh, 1 John 1. 1 John chapter 1. Look at chapter 5. 1 John 1. I'm sorry. 1 John 5, chapter 5. And this is the record, verse 11. And this is the record that hath, God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know, and if we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And so it was a Sunday afternoon a couple of weeks ago, and we were looking at these scriptures, and we were saying, Does anybody prayed confidently prayed and discovered as you prayed that God didn't answer it the way you prayed? So in other words, how many of our prayers were not really answered the way we prayed them? And it may be, I think it is so related to this idea of this morning that God's ways are not our ways. That when we pray, we have a tendency to pray selfishly. We have a tendency to pray selfishly. What would be best for me? What would be the best outcome for me? Just be honest and truthful and, and don't speak out, okay? But let me ask you, how many times have you heard somebody with a relative with cancer or with some dreaded disease and you've heard them praying, oh God, please take now. We're not talking about the end of it when it's just so agonizingly painful that they just can't. You're saying for the mercy of God, take them home. No, I'm talking about at the very beginning 
we always pray for them to get healed and be well and stay. I've never heard anybody at the very beginning start praying, Lord, this is a great opportunity for them. They're going to get to go home. We don't pray like that. But you know, I was listening. It's one of the preachers I've started listening to lately. And he was talking about the excitement, you know, the excitement of heaven. And if we could somehow understand that when we're praying to keep somebody here, we're praying and asking God to keep them in an inferior place. <laughs> I mean, we, we're just saying, Lord, we want them more than, you know, but this would be the best. We're praying for them to stay. But if they could ever get a glimpse, if we could ever get a taste, if we could ever fathom what it's going to be like in heaven, I'm not sure we would pray for our loved ones to go on, but I'm going to tell you, we would so rejoice over them going home. It would be a real celebration over them going home. So one of the reasons we don't get our prayers answered, I believe, is because we pray selfishly. Another might be that we are unable to discern the will of God. If It says very clearly, if we pray according to the will of God. Well, it's difficult many times if we don't know the will of God and we're just basically, you know, from a human standpoint, looking at the word of God, making it the will of God, uh, we, we may not discern the will of God, so we may miss out. So another third reason why we may not um, have our prayers answered is because we don't spend enough time in the Word. It all ties together. Spend time with Him. Spend time in the Word. You know the Word, and it would be easier to pray according to God's will. And fourthly, one of the reasons we don't have our prayers answered is because we really don't know the Father's heart. I think that was pointed out even the other, the other afternoon. Someone, this is what I got out of what someone said, that if I don't get my prayers answered, that's just an indication I did, really don't know the heart of God. And then that leads to me not understanding his ways. And I think it is important to pray when we pray. I, I, I've heard, I've heard, the faith people, not a lot. I don't listen to them a lot, by the way. It was just a glancing blow, if you will. But um, I've heard them say, you don't pray that will be done. Well, I don't know. I just think when Jesus prayed it, it's okay for me to pray it. If I want to follow his example, I want to be like him, and he's, be, I'm, God's conforming me to the very image of Christ, I think it's okay to scripturally pray, thy will be done. All right, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Let me just ask you, somebody, I mean, we don't have time for the mics or anything. Anybody have an idea of what was in that cup he was referring to? Anybody? What? Separation, Separation okay. Somebody else? Anybody? The wrath of God, the wrath of God in the cup, okay. 
Dad? Okay. Well, amazingly, I was on the Beltway, and I just happened to turn on, on my phone, Adrian Rogers. And he, I, see, I hear all these things, and I think, yeah, we need to hear this. He said, this was his opinion, his view, and we're just saying, he said, it was all the sins of mankind in that cup. It's the sins of mankind. That's what he was saying. The sin, and then the wrath of God, the judgment of God, because of those sins in the cup, all of man's sins in that cup, let this cup pass from me. It sure makes sense to me, but who am I? It's just such a powerful thought, but it is dealing with the wrath of God. It is dealing with death. It is dealing with the judgment of God. But when you think about it, if you thought about all those sins of every, and he named, he named, so, I mean, he named them. And they're all in that cup. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I think it's okay to pray that. I think it's okay to pray that. Well, so, but then Jesus nevertheless not my will but then he ended up being the ultimate sacrifice on Calvary for our sins the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 8 prayed three times for his thorn in the flesh to be removed he prayed listen I would think if anybody had kind of an in line in touch with God it might be the apostle Paul he might be able to discern the will of God. And he asked God to remove the thorn in the flesh. He asked him three times. And what did God say to the Apostle Paul about his request? He was asking to have it taken away. What did God say or Christ say to him? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You see, that we pray, we pray, Lord, remove it. Lord, take it away. The pain is too great. I can't stand this. And the Lord may be saying to some of us, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take it away. That's the object that I'm allowing to come in your life to keep you in touch with me. Now, again, I'm, I'm just the idea of the opposite ways of God. I'm trying to point something, get us to thinking about that. Because we sometimes get so programmed and so, you know, we, we're hard charging in a direction. We need to be careful that God, it, that we let God be God. So I don't know if any of you noticed last week, but last, last week, there was a terrible tragedy in Nashville at Covenant Church. I believe it was the pastor's daughter, nine years old, was one of the three nine-year-olds that was killed. The pastor's daughter. I mean, they had school children. Why was it the pastor's daughter? Did you hear about the helicopters colliding and nine servicemen dying in the helicopter crash. One of them was a pastor's son. 
He was going to get out, and he was studying to become a registered nurse. Why did that happen? I mean, he was, I mean, I'm sure he's a sinner like everyone else, but, but you look at the, the stories and then the tornadoes and going through and ripping up and people dying and homes destroyed. And, and you just, I'm going to tell you, I think you'd be wise not to try to explain these things to people. You know, but I think sometimes it's just better. Here's what I believe the bottom line about all of this stuff, all these things. The bottom line, and it was said about these two pastors and their, their children, was that even though they were severely heartbroken and devastated over their loss, they had not given up faith in their father that they'd get to see them one day again. So, folks, I'm going to tell you, I've stopped. I stopped years and years ago. Tragedy would come in a member's life. I've stopped trying to say, now, don't you see, this is why God allowed that to happen. So this and this and this with this. You know, I, I just, I've stopped. And the bottom line is, God allows circumstances to come in our lives so that we can just trust him completely, that he doesn't make any mistakes. And we, I'm convinced much of our lives, the difficulties of life, we will not understand till we get to heaven. And we'll have all of eternity to have it explained to us. So I've stopped trying to explain. It's like, it's like, how do you explain? And I, I'm telling you, I am firm, firm, firm against drinking alcohol of any kind. I've had people, say, you know, come through this church and they get on the, you know, become adults and all this stuff. And they just go on and on and say, oh, moderation. And Jesus turned uh, the water into wine and all this stuff. I'm telling you, I will go to my grave believing drinking alcohol is sinful and wrong. And... How many lives have drunk drivers destroyed out there on the freeways and, and alcohol? Uh, it, in fact, I, I saw one illustration. I, don't, I think it was true. I'm not sure if it was where this young teenager was killed in a car wreck and, and uh, her dad was devastated and he opened up the liquor cabinet and it had a note. Just wanted to let you know, Dad, I took a little of the alcohol out of the cabinet and we took it to a party. And it was out of his cabinet. I mean, I'm just telling you. So how do you explain? And I don't think you can. How can you explain the drunk driver hitting someone head on and killing a family of five and then him getting up and walking away? And that happens more times than you would believe. So it's how do you explain? That's what I'm trying to get, get across. We were doing the seminar at the Coliseum and we met a missionary family. They were home on furlough and they, he was speaking around, speaking at different places. We met the family. He had a teenage daughter. She was 19. She was absolutely beautiful. She could speak fluently in either language. And so he was speaking at a meeting. She was driving on some of the back roads in the country, going to sing at the meeting where her dad was preaching and someone hit her head on and she died. And we were all devastated. Well, a lot of people, a lot of teenagers got saved at that funeral. And praise the Lord for every one of them that got saved. 
But how do you explain she was going to sing? She was going to serve. How do you explain it? I don't think you can. Because I, I just don't think we in our human frailties, in our human frame, it's so difficult for us to understand the ways of God. Why does he allow some of these things? And I'm not questioning God. That's not what we need to be doing. We, don't, we shouldn't throw up our hands and, and give up and throw in the towel on God. That's where we have got to be confident that he is working all things together. Either you believe it or you don't. Either you believe it or you don't. He's working all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Either you believe that or you don't. I've heard so many people waffle on that. Well, but I don't know about this. Listen, you can't. You, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground in this. You've got to trust the Father. You've got to trust Him. There are things that have happened in our lives and in the church's life, and you wonder, why, Lord, why do these things happen? But we have to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and never giving up on our faith and confidence in the Father. We trust him. We believe him. It's all about faith. It's all about his grace. Now, <clears throat> we're going to kind of move into a little area here, and we're getting closer to the end. But we're trying to discern how to learn the ways of God. I think in, wrapped all in this, if we're going to learn the ways of God, if we're going to understand more, I don't think we'll understand completely, but understand more the ways of God, we've got to hear his voice as he speaks. We have got to hear his voice. Now, I've written down some things in my notes about knowing that we've heard the voice of God. How do we know that we've heard the voice of God? Number one, and this one's obvious and everybody could get that one right off the bat. Number one, how do you know it's his voice? Number one, he will never, ever violate his word, ever. If you hear a voice and that voice is coming to you, it will never contradict the word of God. It'll always line up with scripture. And if you're going to hear his voice, if you're going to hear his voice, we're going to have to spend some time with him so that we can recognize his voice. First Kings nineteen twelve in a still small voice. Hebrews three seven and eight. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. He's speaking. He's speaking. Last night, we have a a battery. Well, we have two battery operated clocks. One in the bathroom. One in our bedroom. And it's got the thing that. Goes back and forth. What do they call that? Back and huh? Pendulum. That's right. I knew that. Uh, that thing's going back and forth. So 
This is, this is what I experienced just last night. When you turn everything off and there are no distractions and the lights are out, I could hear it ticking. But when you're up and about and the dog's barking and, you know, and things are going on, the phone's ringing and talking on the phone, that ticking kind of fades away. I believe God is speaking to us all the time. He wouldn't say, listen, if he wasn't speaking to us and available to speak to us all the time, then he wouldn't say pray without ceasing. Because I don't believe prayer, I don't believe prayer is a one-way conversation. Pray without ceasing, that means pray all the time. In your mind, you're thinking, you're driving, you're thinking about God. What's He saying? What's He saying to you? He'll speak to us. He wants to communicate with us throughout the day. We've got to be willing to listen. We've got to be willing to listen. We've got to be willing to hear. We need to be eager to hear. We need to be aware of his presence. Do you ever have thoughts come that say, pray for someone right now? You ever have that? Pray for them right now. Pray for them right now. And then you find out something went on and, and God was speaking to you. And he was saying, pray for them right now. Oh, I tell you what's been sad, and, and we've experienced, all of us probably have experienced it. You know, we've had a thought to give a certain sum of money. And you hesitate, and you put it off, and you procrastinate. And then you find out that, you know, months back, somebody had a real need, and you could have been a part of that. But you've got to hear his voice. You've got to listen. I'm pretty convinced. I mean, somebody might, somebody's really a, you know, you might be able to debate this, but I'm pretty convinced. I've, for me, I don't believe I've ever heard. I'll just say it that way. That way you can't defeat. I mean, I don't believe I have ever heard Satan say to me, hand that person a gospel tract. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever had Satan tell me, tell him about Jesus. But how many times have we had that thought, give them a gospel track, tell them about Jesus, and we said, but Lord, I'm just too busy right now. I've got to make the meeting. I've often wondered, I mean, I saw a guy today, we had to get gasoline, and so I thought, oh, I mean, it's hard enough to be on a full tank and be, but, you know, so, but I saw this person with a uh, hood up, and I thought, Let's see, how would I explain? I mean, it would be very scriptural. You stop to lend the hand. You stop to help somebody. I just couldn't make it there to preach. And I wonder if some would say, good job, pastor. And some would criticize. I mean, so you're going to have to find out, God, and I'll just relieve your mind. I didn't hear the voice of God say, stop. Okay, but I think you're going to have to be aware 
to hear the voice of God, be willing to listen, slow down long enough, be still, be quiet enough, remove the distractions as much as you possibly can so that you can hear his small, still voice. Now, when Satan speaks, he speaks and tries to tempt us to violate and go against the word of God. And when we hear God's voice, when we hear God's voice and he speaks to us about whatever it is he's speaking to us about, it's going to require some faith on our part. He's going to often lead us and say, I want you to go. I mean, you can just back this up with all kind of Old Testament accounts. Abraham, you know, start packing. We said this last week, start packing, you know, leave your family, leave everybody behind. And by the way, I'll tell you where you're going once you get going. And so God may lead us at times into impossible situations. The one that's most difficult. God doesn't always, he doesn't always lead us down the wide, easy path. He doesn't always lead down the wide, easy path. Most of the time, and of course for salvation, the reference, the way is narrow. The way is small. We choose, as humans, we try to choose many times the easiest way. But God says, go the difficult way. So as we're going through life and we're experiencing these things that God's speaking to us about and he's leading us down this path and it may not be the easiest, it wouldn't have been the one I would have chosen, but this is what he's leading us to do. He will give you peace. I really believe now, I, I, we are all human, and we, there's some nervousness that comes along with going in difficult places. When we're following God, it, it can be very difficult. And so there can be a nervous stomach, but I do believe that inner peace will come from God. And Elizabeth Elliot said it this way, in acceptance lieth peace. In acceptance lieth peace. Once I've heard his voice, once I've agreed to obey I begin to act on it, then God begins to give me peace. Without faith, there's turmoil and unrest. When there's indecision, when God's clearly spoken, he says, go this direction. I want you to do this. And when there's indecision, then there's no peace. In acceptance lieth peace. I love this verse in Isaiah 26, 3. I've quoted it many times, or not quoted it, but read it, uh, because it was Mrs. Jones, and I, could, I can tell you, I don't know how many times in all the years we had a relationship with the Jones family, I've heard her say these verses. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind, his mind, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Think about it. We're talking about hearing the voice of God, being still long enough to hear his voice, recognize his voice. He wants to speak to you. He's, he's going to do things different than we would. He's going to give direction counter to what many of us would go. 
Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So if we're ever gonna, going to know the heart of our Father, if we're ever going to learn more about his ways, we must begin to recognize his voice. And I just have to ask you before the invitation this morning, I have to ask you, can you recognize his voice in your life? Do you hear his voice and you know it's him speaking? How long has it been? Did you hear his voice this week? Did he give instructions this week? Did you hear him? Were you slow down? Did you slow down enough to be able to hear what he's saying to you? So it's during this invitation time that we're going to really, I would hope that we would examine and say, Lord, I'm just so busy. I, I'm running here. I'm running there. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm serving, serving, serving. But I haven't heard your voice. I'm not. I just know I'm going. I'm doing all this stuff. But I haven't slowed down to really hear your voice. What's he saying to you? What's he wanting to communicate to you? As individuals, as families, and as a church. We need to hear God's voice. And I would encourage, I would certainly encourage all of us, all of us to examine. To examine and don't be like the person, bless his heart, I just, I felt so bad for him. And you've heard me say it, but it's, it was just true. He said, I haven't, I don't think I've heard the voice of God in over a year and a half. Let's don't be in that situation. Let's don't get ourselves in that situation. God's available Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, this invitation could be a really special invitation for all of us, for our church. We need to hear the voice of God as a church. You need to be praying for the elders, that the elders hear the voice of God. We need to pray. We need to hear the voice of God. What is the heart of God? What is he saying about a situation? And it's really important that we get this message. You know, I've preached a lot of sermons, a lot of messages in my lifetime. But I don't know that you could go any, any more important than this one. Because if we're not hearing the voice of God, we're just like we're in, out there at the fairgrounds in bumper cars. Just bumping around, bumping off this. Oh, no, that's not the will of God. Well, I'll, go, I'll try this. Oh, oh, that's not the will of God. Boing, boing. You know, I'm not the will of God. This is not the will of God. We ought, to, we ought to find the will of God. We need to cry out to God. We ought to be on our faces crying out to God. God, speak to us. We're, we're here. We're your servants. We want to hear your voice. So would you do that today as we pray? Would we be willing to obey the Lord when he speaks? We're going to have an invitation and it's open for all of us to, to respond to him and answer to him and, and be still long enough to hear him. So let's pray.
Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the message. We pray that you would, in a special way, speak to our hearts. Help us to really know your heart. How you think, how you operate, what you're doing. Help us to learn your ways. Your ways are so higher than our ways, so different than our ways. Father, help us. Help us. We need you. We want to live by faith. We want to trust you. So, Father, I pray that you'd accomplish your will today. You bring honor and glory to yourself. We just love you so much. Thank you for allowing Jesus to die in our place. Thank you that he sacrificed his life for my sin, our sins. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you for the opportunity to be in a free country to preach your word today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.